0: Welcome to the Better Brave Podcast, where you get to hear unique stories from guests like you who choose to live bravely outside of their comfort zones. I'm Candace Dudley, your host, former teacher turned online business mentor and podcaster. This podcast is for you. If you're committed to living life on purpose, no more following the rules of society, go hit the follow button if you haven't yet and tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Welcome back to the show. I am really excited today. I have a special guest, Matt Eicheldinger. He is breaking grounds today. We're breaking grounds on the podcast. We have a first male guest on the show. So welcome, Matt.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Matt and I went to college together to be teachers. And I think you tell the story that you, you were running track and the track yep. was on the outside of the basketball courts while I was playing basketball on the inside of the uh-huh. courts. We went to Concord University in St. Paul, Minnesota, and our cohort was fairly small. So we had mm-hmm. years of classes together. You're still teaching but your newest endeavor is that you wrote a book and now a best-selling author. And I can't wait to hear about this. I've already heard this story because <laughs> luckily you were um, willing to come to my sixth grade class last year and let us meet you and hear all about it because it still stands today as their favorite book of that whole year. Oh, for the sweet. Boys and girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's back up though. We'll start with we just said you're, you're a husband, you're a dad, mm-hmm. a teacher, and a best-selling author. So what is life like right now for you?
1: Uh, pretty crazy. <laughs> yes. uh, so I wouldn't. I don't know if I would say best-selling author yet. I've had definitely some success. But yeah, I live in Bloomington, Minnesota. I've taught in the Bloomington School District as well as my current district, which is YZ. But next year, I'm stepping away from teaching for the first time since 2009 or really ever. And I'm just kind of going all in on this dream that I've been pursuing since I was like 21, it's finally just come to uh, fruition. And I'm just really excited and nervous and scared to try something different.
0: Right. So we both went to college to play a sport, get our teaching Mm -hmm. degree, start teaching. And then somehow during the last 13, 14 years, you wrote a book. How did the book happen?
1: So I like to tell kids the book more or less happened by accident. So like, as you know, when you're in the classroom, kids need incentives, right? Like some teachers are like throwing candy at kids for asking questions. Some are like writing special passes. I had literally nothing when I was 21. Like I was getting paid jack diddly squat and I didn't know what I could give kids. And so I did have all these stories that kids like hearing about, just like embarrassing things from my childhood. And so I was when I was, you know, a couple of years into teaching, I just started telling those to kids and they loved them. So I was like, oh, I should probably write all these down before I'm old and forgetful. And so I started when I was, I think, 23, just crafting them into just mini stories. And then as I was writing them down, I was like, Oh, maybe I should connect these into a book. I didn't consider myself a writer or even much of a reader. And then I just kind of wove them all together. And I was like, Oh, I've got I've got a book, I guess. And I wonder if kids like it. And so I showed some kids like the, the manuscript and they really liked it. And so then I was like, well, maybe I should try and get this published. And that kind of started the journey of to where I am today. was when I was 23. I think I wrote the book in less than 30 days. I don't know if that's good or bad. I just kind of did it. And, uh, and then I spent the next 15 years trying to get it published.
0: Wow. Okay. That was my next question. It wasn't a magical, like, bam, book's done here. Everybody buy my book, sign deals. This was a decade of, of persistence.
1: Persistence, failures, like you name it. I went through it.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) like, you know,
1: well, so like, you know, we went to school for education, so I knew nothing of publishing at all. Like, I'm sure the first uh, letter I sent to a literary agent was just horrendous. Like, I'm sure it was full of errors. Um, but that's when I started. I looked up, like, how do you get a book published? And what I learned is you have to send it to a literary agent. Many of them are based in New York. And so what you do is you write basically like a letter of introduction that says, here's who I am. Here's what the book's about. Are you interested in reading it? And some agents ask that you send as well, like 20 pages of the book. Um, but you send that email and then you wait anywhere from like three to six months for a response if someone's even remotely interested. And so I started a spreadsheet and I started just sending all these emails and you would just wait and wait. And then you would start getting these rejections, which are pretty standard that any author will tell you. They'd be like, oh, thanks for the email. This book's not for me. Sometimes you never hear anything. And then occasionally I got a few like, oh, we're, we're interested. Send us the next fifty pages. And then you might hear something back, and you and you might not. And I did that for about uh, twelve years. Is I just kept. I would go in spurts. Right. I would. I'd email people. I would. I would get like some bites, and I get really excited, and then I'd have a huge letdown. Like. Cause that agent is important. That agent's job is to then sell your book, much like a NBA agent or any professional sport is they have to believe in your idea first. And then they got to get somewhere like scholastic to believe in that idea too. And, you know, they make money from the sales. They're incentivized to find something that they really like and, and see uh, the longevity of. But I just like couldn't break through and it was getting really frustrating. I remember thinking right before the pandemic like I should just be done like this is so painful. Like I have a spreadsheet of all my rejections. It's well over 200. Oh. The date and the person and the agent. And it was just getting it was it was starting to feel like even though I knew my idea was good based on what my students told me, it was feeling like the writing was on the wall, right? Like this isn't meant to happen. But then like Right towards the tail end of the pandemic, um, I got this idea of like I'm just going to do it myself. I believe in this idea so much, and I think it's going to do well. I'll just make it myself. So uh, I partnered with Wise Inc in Minneapolis. They do a lot of self help books and like more nonfiction. Um, definitely do children's. And so I raised money on Kickstarter, which is you know people like you uh, did and and bought the book before its existence. <laughs> And I made the book in twenty twenty one and it was published with a few thousand copies. And then I learned, you know, like how to try and sell books, which is like a whole nother deal. What happened after that is I I started to gain traction. Like I still couldn't get into places like Target or Walmart and Barnes and Noble because I'm independent. And so I've got nothing to my name other than sales, which were minuscule compared to like what other people are putting out. But I ended up selling thousands of copies and I started winning awards, and I was winning awards against people who were published and had agents and were at big market stores. And I was like, okay, I've got this. Like, Someone's going to pick me up. Someone's going to see me. But after 2 years, no one did. And so I had about 200 books left in stock. And to print more books is extremely expensive. It is so expensive. And you never really even make back that money. It's like almost a break even. And so I was like, well, I need to decide, am I going to write the next book Am I going to print more copies or honestly just be done? Because I was so tired of not getting anything. And so I finally was like, I need someone who's not family to give me some advice. right? Someone who doesn't know me. And so I paid for a consultation with an agent in New York. Did some work on Minneapolis too. And I was like, I met with her and I'm like, here's what I need. I just need some brutal honesty. Do I stop? What do I do to get noticed? And so she asked for like my sales numbers and the history of the book. And and kind of like my social media presence. And she's like, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. Um, I, I need to think about this and what advice is best for you. And I was like, okay. And that was in January of this year. And then like two days later, she called me and she's like, I want to be your agent. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean you want to be my agent? And she goes, well, before you say yes, you should know that I only rep women's nonfiction. What? And I was like, I'm like, then why would you want a book about, for middle schoolers where the or a boy is the protagonist, like, how do I fit your narrative? And she goes, You're a slam dunk. I don't know how this hasn't gotten picked up. She goes, We're gonna sell this like probably soon. I'm gonna pitch it to all the major publishers in New York at the end of this week if you sign with me and I bet we get someone to bite. And that's more or less exactly what happened. I signed like a week later. She pitched it to all the major publishers in New York. And then um Andrews McNeil Publishing, which does like Big Nate, Garfield, Calvin and Hobbes, Peanuts, everything syndicated, offered me a multi-book deal, and it was like fifteen years condensed into like this twenty-day period of high intense. Oh my God, my dream is happening.
0: On And that's
1: yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is um, is at the pinnacle of my dream.
0: So I want to go back into the days of probably the dark days of rejection. How do you yeah. How does someone take rejection for 12 years and not stop? So many people would get one no and be like, oh yeah, I guess it wasn't. <laughs> wasn't it?
1: Yeah. I think for the first few years, it was, you don't know what you're getting into, right? Like I was young, like got nothing else going on. I'll send some letters. And that was probably the first few years. It's like, I was just oblivious to whether or not it was going to work. But sure. then when you when you get really rooted down in your dream, I think what kept me going, honestly, was probably my kids at school mm. is like, I knew what I, what they were giving me was, was not feedback based on who I was. It was based on the actual product. That to me was huge as I knew that it could be successful, but there were some really, like, I remember I almost got signed by an agent who does the Lemony Snicket series, which is a huge, like bestselling. Yeah. She was one of my only full manuscript reads. And that's where they take your whole book and they actually read it. Like you're really close to being signed. And she said, I'll get back to you in a week. And I had to wait eight weeks. And I did not sleep well for eight weeks because every night, I'm like, tomorrow's the day I'm going to get the call. Tomorrow's the day I'm going to get the call. And when I finally heard the rejection after that one, that one stung the worst. That one, that was the hardest. And then, you know, after, I don't really know what kept me going. I think I, I don't, I won't say I was obsessed with my dream because it wasn't like I was working on it every day. Mm-hmm. but I thought about it often and I just knew that at some point if I could just get the story in front of the right person it would do well and so I just kept going I guess
0: <laughs> so what advice would you have for somebody that's experiencing rejection they've created something like you did or they've they've got this you know goal but they're being rejected right now what what advice would you give them
1: I do this in my book talks now with kids and I think the biggest thing that I learned is that and it seems so obvious but those are all all those rejections are just opinions even though they might be coming from professionals they might be coming from someone who's extremely successful that opinion doesn't mean that your idea is bad or not good you might just not have the right audience yet mm. and you know i'm i'm also thankful that i have a a spouse who's extremely supportive like i had someone to like lean on when i was feeling really low and someone to be like you can keep going and that is i don't want to like discount how important that was to to have family that was really just invested in who i was and my idea but when you're getting those rejections for anything that you're doing it it really is tough to set aside the reality from the opinions that you're getting and the reality is the world is really really big and your idea is probably equally as big um but you do have an audience you just need to find it
0: when someone's Pursuing something, getting started. Let's go back to those early, early days when you're just deciding to piece this together. And I know you said it was an accident, Mm -hmm. but what kind of advice would you have for someone? They have an idea floating in their head and now they're like, "Hmm, how should I actually go and do this?
1: You know, I think the more I've learned about, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, like I don't even know, I didn't even know what my process was, right? Like you don't know how you function really chasing your goal until you are looking back at it and you're like, "Oh, that was that's what I was doing." And for me, it was it was kind of just uh going all in. And when I say going all in, I mean like not the amount of time I was spending, but the manifesting of like me I will do well.
0: Mm. You just kind of went all in, but not necessarily with time, all in with your mindset and knowing, having this knowing that that it was going to happen that it it it, there's no other way.
1: My wife was really good too about asking me early on, like, "What what do you actually want from this? Are you wanting it to make us a lot of money? Or what is the what is the end result of this goal?" And that that has really shifted over time. But when I first started, I really just wanted to see my book on a shelf. I thought that would be the coolest thing ever, and. You know, once I saw my book on a shelf, like at an independent store, it was an absolute surreal moment to see that I had accomplished the original goal, but I was surprised how much my goals also changed over time. And I don't know if that's because I believed in my idea so much and knew that it could be successful, but I I guess that just caught me off guard to now. I think my book can actually do really well enough to make an income for me and my family. And I feel like it's going to be one of those two things. Either it's going to end up in the dollar store or it's going to do really well. I don't think there's going to be an in between, um, which is why I'm taking a year off to spend so much time investing you know, everything into this one moment that I think has been building for such a long time.
0: Yeah, two things that strike me from that is that, one, your wife's question of what is the goal? What is the purpose? And just having that clarity, I think, is a really cool piece of, you know, you could have, you can have goals on different levels. Like it was totally fine that your first part of that was, I just want to see it on a shelf, like one shelf. That's it. And now the second piece that I just find really interesting is you also have allowed the goal to shift. So I think that permission in there to say, yeah, things are different now. I want something else. I've changed my mind. I just like that piece too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think for a lot of people, when they start, with a really big idea, right? Because I think when we have a seed of idea, at least for me, I jump right away to what is the best outcome of this? For example, like if I, if I start training for a marathon, right? I immediately think like, I'm going to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Like that's how well this is going to go. <laughs> and, you know, with an idea of, of business or with, you know, or a passion, it's okay to dream that big. I really, I started asking myself the question ever since I got signed by my agent, the thing that keeps coming up in my brain is why not? Like, mm-hmm. why not me? Why can't I do this? Why am I filling myself with doubt? Even after getting signed by an agent, right? I have I was surprised how I was still doubtful after all this recent success mm-hmm. of how I still think like, oh, this is going to flop. And trying to remind myself daily, like, I met the goal that I was doing for 15 years. I need to celebrate. And we did celebrate as a family. And now it's a reset. All right. I checked that off. I, I I solved that. Now, what can I do with this moment? And why not me? Why can't I do the next big thing?
0: Yeah. That's a powerful question. Why not me? Like someone's going to sell a a kid's book. Someone's going to change careers. Like for my case, someone's going to be, you know, a mindfulness coach, whatever it is, but why not you? That, that I don't know if we ask ourselves enough, maybe across the board, men and women, but I definitely know that my women listeners, I think sometimes we jump to, well, if I make this shift, what's the worst that can happen? When really, maybe we should just be starting with what is the best case scenario and just feed into that type of energy instead of, uh, it's a very different feeling, a different energy when you're thinking that way than, than when you're giving thought and time to the worst case scenario
1: absolutely and you know something else that's really struck me in in the past few years especially is is when you are because sometimes i think when we come up with a, an idea that we think it might seem far fetched um when you present that idea to someone else they're usually genuinely supportive mm-hmm. right so like when i told people i was thinking of doing this or when i did my kickstarter or when i was thinking of taking a year off everyone was like absolutely what can we do to help and to allow yourself to to be okay with taking a risk too. Cause that's what all big ideas are, right? Is it's going to be a risk at some point who are going to be those people that are encouraging you to do that. Cause as much as, as I would like to say that my journey has been about like me just grinding away for 15 years <laughs> until I finally did it. It really isn't like, I really think my, what I would like my story to be remembered by at least is that I did have a drive to do this for so many years, and it lived inside my head. But also I shared that idea with so many people. And when I was not doing well with believing in myself, I had so many people to to kind of keep pushing me,
0: yeah. The other thing that strikes me with your story is you're not the first person to write a young adult book. That doesn't mean I think sometimes we think if we have this new idea, and we're not the first, first person to do it or think of it, that it's not worthy or it's not a good, good idea, but we have our own unique gifts and our own unique, your story is unique. That book is unique. Mm-hmm. And so to say, no, this is worthy. doesn't matter that I'm not the first, but there's a spot mm-hmm. for me too. And there's a group of people, like you mentioned earlier, that are my people. They're waiting for this, yeah. you know, to, to sit in that.
1: That's a great point. And I think too, like when you're starting with a dream like or any sort of project or idea, like you want people to to be really impressed with what your idea is. But sometimes people don't need to be impressed in your idea. They just need to be invested in you. Mm. And and that's really important, I think, you know, as you at least with I feel like, you know, books and a lot of things that I'm surrounded by are art forms, right? So like drawing and reading and publishing. That's all art. And when you produce art, you really are looking for feedback right? And you want feedback in your, in your art. Um, but like I said before, I think people at the beginning though, just want to believe in you and they're invested in you. And so for anyone who's trying to start something new, I think that's probably your first foundational block that you need to really secure is who are going to be these people that I share this with, who are just going to be my, my cheer crowd, right? Like who's going to be the encouragement as I go through this.
0: Yeah. And I've talked about this before with other guests. Were you selective on who got to know these dreams or, or not? I think sometimes I know I have been selective with who I share my new ideas with, because sometimes if they don't get it, they might meet me with doubts and questioning and I'm not at a place that I'm ready for that kind of, kind of feedback. So I kind of share with just that really close circle. Were you selective with that? If that makes sense?
1: Yeah, it does make sense. You know, I don't I can't remember thinking through that process. I know I share everything with my wife, so that was an easy one. <laughs> but you know it, you know, where I worked at the time when I had the the concept for this idea and I began really pursuing it. I remember one day my colleague I think just saying like, oh, you should write a book after watching me tell a story to kids. And I, I kind of goofingly said like, well, what if I did? And they'd be like, oh, I'd be your number one supporter. And it was like, it was almost like, that's all I needed Mm. was to have someone like one person outside my family be like, that's a good idea. And then I was telling everybody, not like leading with it, but people knew that it was a dream of mine and that I had this goal. And, you know, I, I taught with a lot of the same colleagues for since I started in 2009. And so to watch them be supportive of me for not just a year or two years, but almost 15 years.
0: That's wild.
1: I don't know how to give that back.
0: Right. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to wrap up with this question. What message do you have for the listeners that you hope they take away? If they remember nothing else today, what do you want them to kind of keep close to their heart and take away today?
1: I think we kind of touched it on ready, but if you are, if you have the seed of an, of an idea and you are just thinking of, you know, making a big change or taking a risk and you're looking for feedback, I think my biggest thing that I've learned in 15 years is that all those opinions that come back to you really are just that they are just opinions. They are not factual. They don't tie you down to a certain reality. You have the time to to explore all sorts of different avenues. And so, you know, one failure doesn't mean that your idea is bad or it's not going to take flight. It might just take some time. And, you know, hopefully you're not waiting 15 years <laughs> for years to take flight. But I hope that you, as you're going through it, understand the small achievements and, and goals that you are conquering as you work towards that bigger one.
0: Yes. Thank you for that. Thanks so much for being here, Matt. Can you tell us where we can follow along with the, with your new book deal and the books that are coming and follow your story?
1: Sure. Well, right now I don't have all my social media stuff, as I'm sure the publisher is going to have me do a, a bunch of different things. But uh, the main place you can find me is TikTok and Instagram, which is Matt Eicheldinger. It's just my first and last name. Um, I also have a website, which is Matt Eicheldinger. Uh, And if you, the way I'm trying to give back is if any of you want to meet and just, you know, hear more about my journey or hear about the things that I failed at. So maybe you can learn. I am happy to meet with you for free and I can just, you know, we can have a drink or do a zoom. I'm just happy to give back in whatever way I can. And you can just reach out to me through any of those venues and we can get together and, and talk about whatever it is you're trying to
0: accomplish. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And I will link all of his links in the show notes for the viewers and to the listeners. have a better, brave day. Hey, thanks for being here. I love being able to highlight entrepreneurial journeys because no two are the same. To grab my free sales page planner or to book a discovery call with me, head to the show notes. Finally, please leave a quick review so I can continue this work. See you next week.